And welcome back to another episode of the Guys with Feelings podcast, where two guys discuss the ideas, influences, epiphanies, and yes, the feelings that make them better men. My name is Jamin Yee. And I'm Gabe Rose. And today, we're excited to have a very special guest with feelings, a good friend of mine, Connor Moss, who is a therapist and coach and facilitator of men's work in the East Bay and San Francisco, and apparently a big fan of our podcast. Connor, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super stoked to do this. Yeah, no, we're, we're super stoked to have you and uh, super stoked to hear that you've listened to every episode of the Guys With Feelings show. <laughs> I don't know show. if every episode, but I did go through and listen to, the, to most of them from the last year. <laughs> yes. A big fan, definitely. That's awesome. All righty. Long time listener, first time caller. We're, uh, we're stoked <laughs> to right. have you on. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, no, I'm really stoked to have Connor on the show. Um, we we were talking the other day um, and uh, we had a really interesting conversation about commitment. And I think how a lot of men in our culture are really scared of it. And uh, And Connor used to be one of those guys. And he was telling me like he's taken a complete 180 on the idea of mm-hmm. commitment and uh and ha- is getting married soon in a few months on in september That's yeah cool. wow exciting. congratulations yeah, thank you and uh yeah and he had some he had some great thoughts on it so I, I thought it'd be cool to bring him on and uh we could dive in a little bit into into the gifts of commitment yeah definitely um yeah i'd love to talk about you know what i've learned from monogamy and commitment as a personal growth and a spiritual growth path. Um, and I think definitely in this world where we see a lot of poly and a lot of open relationships, not to talk down on that, you know, I've seen a lot of people do that well, uh, but I think that can turn into and did turn into me, for me a way to kind of escape or run away from some of my emotional work that I had to do. And I found in in monogamous relationship that it's been an incredible path for me to open up those those topics and and learn and growth from them. Awesome. Cool. So, yeah, let's let's start a little bit at the beginning, I guess, w- with your story. Um so uh yeah, I guess before, you know, you kind of came to see commitment as like a a beautiful thing. What was yeah, what was your relationship to that? What what was your dating kind of experience like? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I had gotten out of a, a relationship and I was surrounded by burners and ecstatic dancers. And I was in the restaurant industry and I saw so many of my friends kind of looking for the next lay or trying to hook up with people um, left and right. And I kind of got, um, I kind of decided that that was my MO also. And, you know, I had Tinder downloaded and I was big into the Burning Man and ecstatic dance world. And I was kind of had this idea that I was going to explore and, and play the field and see what was out there for me in, in, you know, intimacy and sexual relations. Um, and I, I, yeah, so I did a lot of, um, exploring and trying to, um, yeah, trying to see where that, that uh, path could lead me. And I did try to hook up with a lot of people in that time. And I found it really left me, um, it left something out. Uh, I wasn't getting what I was wanting out of that path. Right. And I feel like as, as men, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're told is, is the way we're supposed to, you know, the, the most masculine thing you can be is just be playing the field and to 
have yeah. a million options. Yeah, definitely. It's like, look at the role models that we have out there, you know, James Bond or any of the male role models we have. Uh, they're womanizing or they're looking for the next lay or, you know, there's no male role models that I can think of that are like committed family men. And so a lot of the messaging that I've gotten as a man is that the most masculine thing is to be playing the field and to be always looking for the next sexual and intimacy adventure. Right. To be non-committal. Yeah. To be yeah. kind of always looking for the next thing in a way. Right. Yeah. And on the converse of that, I feel like in our culture, the word commitment is very unsexy, you know, at least mm -hmm. for, for men, it's just like this. It, yeah. It just seems like a four letter word. I feel like a lot of, a lot of guys are definitely scared of that. Um, so yeah, I can, I can relate to that as well. And, uh, so yeah, you're in this place, you're, you're trying to, trying to do the thing that you see a lot of other guys around you doing and what kind of started to change, change that a little bit. Well, I mean, it all changed when I met this, this, my fiance and, and, um, we started to have a, a surface level relationship, uh, where I was still kind of committed to looking for the next thing and in a kind of grass is greener mentality, looking at what else was out there. Mm. Um, and it kind of reached ahead when she said, you know, either you're in this for real or you're not, and this isn't going to work. And that made me kind of snap me out of it and made me really reevaluate, uh, which of these ideas were ideas that were internally located, like my value system and which of these ideas were ideas that I was absorbing from my community and from my role models in, in the popular culture. Um, and so I had to kind of take a look at what it was that was that I was afraid of in commitment and what it was that I didn't think I could get in a committed relationship. Um, and yeah, through that, I, I came to realize that um, the commitment, although it was scary, it has a lot of um, has a lot of growth opportunity for me. And so I ended up uh, so and so I ended up um kind of changing my tune on that and mm -hmm. uh, and deciding to engage in commitment and monogamy as a personal growth and spiritual growth path. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about what sort of, um, like maybe there's one or two examples of area of growth where you've, you've really felt yourself change and grow in positive ways through commitment that sort of maybe were lacking before that chapter in your life. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that um, in always looking for the next thing in a hookup culture uh, type of open relationship environment for myself, um, I didn't delve deeply into emotional content and um, do personal growth work around around anything that was um, relationship related. Yeah, that was that was my growing edges where I wasn't showing up in a way in a relationship if if something wasn't going so well or difficult emotional content came up, I could just look for someone else to, you know, not delve too deeply into something, but look for someone else and, and move on to the next thing. Right. As it soon was, as it became uncomfortable, yeah, maybe just exactly. cut and run. Basically. If something becomes uncomfortable, maybe there's another woman out there for me. Mm. Whereas in a, a committed relationship, when something difficult comes up, um, we have to get to the bottom of it because it's us two and we're in it. So it's actually been amazing to kind of, be reflected areas of my of myself that I didn't want to look at that weren't so weren't so good to look at, and through this relationship, I've been able to be mirrored those difficult parts and really had to work work to the bottom of them. So parts of myself that were 
not so great to look at or that needed work um, got the opportunity to be worked through in a committed relationship where they didn't in a, in a more open environment. Right. And, and was that part of your, um, part of your inspiration or sort of part of the shift towards, I mean, it sounds like the work you do now is like therapy, men's work. Did that help push you into that? Or had you sort of already started on that path already? Like what was the interplay there? Yeah. I mean, it all kind of came together at once. I think, um, in growing as a man in the past couple of years and in growing as a man in my committed relationship, I've come to learn like how many negative masculine patterns we have. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, this podcast is one example of men getting together and deciding, you know, what is it that we want masculinity to be? And a lot of times it's not necessarily what we've been taught or what James Bond is modeling for us. <laughs> and so, um, James Bond isn't the perfect masculine role model. He might not be, oh, you know, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, so yeah, so coming to an, an internal, uh, internal definition of what my masculinity was, I wanted to help other people do that same thing because I lot, I think a lot of the stories that we're told about what it is to be a man are really harmful in a lot of ways. Um, so coming to my own kind of definition of masculinity that included commitment and included, uh, you know, commitment to a family and a monogamous relationship made me want to help other men, um, you know, shed some of the ideas that they've been fed and come to what their truth is about masculinity. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, that definitely resonates with me. The idea, um, of commitment, you know, helping you basically like, yeah, forcing you actually to kind of to deal with the uncomfortable stuff that, you know, normally we'd run away from. And in my experience, the uncomfortable stuff is is where the juice always is. Like that's mm-hmm. always where the growth is. And it, it is interesting. Um, I can definitely relate, you know, and, and I think in our dating culture, it just makes it so easy for a lot of men to, you know, as soon as something uncomfortable comes up in a relationship, it's like, okay, I'll just move on to something else. Um and uh, I think it's a beautiful concept. You know, you, you said commitment uh, as like a spiritual kind of a self-growth practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a, that's a really beautiful idea. Um, yeah. Is there, can you think of any other um, benefits that you've got from commitment as like a spiritual practice? Yeah. I mean, um, I've been thinking about this uh, over the last couple of days and the first obvious answer that came to mind is, I don't have to spend so much energy trying to look for the next um, sexual encounter or, you know, I don't have to spend all my time on Tinder or spend all my time at ecstatic dance kind of looking around and seeing what opportunities for intimacy there are. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I wasn't doing that anymore, how much of my, of my psychic space was spent thinking about, you know, the next woman that I was going to want to hook up with or how I was going to do that. Or if there is sexual energy in a friendship, there's this whole overlay of you know trying to get laid or thinking if you should get laid that can be kind of crazy making, honestly, to a lot of men. And when that, mm. um, when that fell away for me, I was realized how distracting that was for me. So very simply, like, I don't have to spend as much time on Tinder. That's right. <laughs> That's one of my big tips. <laughs> which, which is great for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> may seem obvious but there it is <laughs> yeah no that yeah that. and there's the other thing it just made me think it was just like the we sort of i think talked around this a bit but i think in those like phases of our lives we can also we derive so much of our identity i think or try to derive so much of our identity from sort of that pursuit um mm-hmm. and that like sense of like oh how cool am i or how masculine am i or whatever um from mm-hmm. sort of 
what successes you do or don't have in terms of like short-term casual datings or hookups or whatever. And, and yeah, I just think it's, I mean, you sort of talked about like sort of feeling empty and it's just like, it's just not a, I think again, probably other people maybe not necessarily always doing it in this way, but I think the most common way to do it is yeah, to be really deriving a lot of sense of identity from that pursuit. And it's just, doesn't feel to me like a healthy place to derive a sense of identity for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. And not a very grounded place. Like it's something that's just always shifting and changing and um, not, not a great place to lay a foundation and and to really build, you know, uh, stuff on top of. Yeah. That foundation piece I think is super important. Also, it's like if you're trying to build and manifest dreams that might take decades to, to come to fruition, um, if you have someone that you're committed to that you know is going to have your back through that, you can kind of dream bigger because you can take bigger leaps of faith and know that this person is going to be there for you, um, you know, to catch you if you fall in a way that you really can't if you're, if you're just doing a casual hookup type situation. Like you don't know who's going to be there for you in five, 10, 15 years. So you can't take some of the bigger risks that might be necessary to reach some of your bigger goals. Uh, at least that's been for me personally. Yeah. That makes sense. I'd love to, I'd love to hear the two of you talk a little bit about sort of polyculture and how that does or doesn't intersect with this conversation. I mean, so like as people may or may not know, so I live in LA. Um, and so <laughs> there's not really like, there's not the same like burner culture and like polyculture and sort of quote unquote open relationship <laughs> culture in LA that I think there is. I mean, there's certainly a hookup culture, right? But it's right. like not, not with those lenses or those frames. Um, and so I'm curious. Yeah, just to, I don't even know exactly the right question to ask, but I'd love to hear your reflections on how much you think something like polyculture really intersects with this as as a little bit of um, a problem or an area where men might be um, a little unself-aware about ways they're sort of trying to define their identity or fill themselves up versus, oh, like actually most people doing poly are doing it in a really healthy way and they're just, you know, it's sort of like being LGBT or something, you know, they're just born a little bit different and that's just what's right for them. I, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or opinions on that, but I'd, as someone who, who doesn't really know the culture at all, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if either of us would consider ourselves experts, but um, as kind of like a little, a little intro. So for those of you listeners, um, yeah, me and Connor are located in the San Francisco Bay Area, which definitely, yeah, has kind of this burner. I mean, Connor's been talking like ecstatic dance, you know, which is kind of this um, uh, kind of burner type, uh, hippie type dance uh, scene uh, that there's a lot of, you know, I'd say free spirited people and a lot of polyamorous and open people are drawn drawn yeah. to that. And um and yeah, and and poly uh, is short for polyamorous, which is um uh yeah, for people who uh identify or uh want to explore having multiple relationships or more open type relationships rather than um being monogamous. And uh and I definitely think it's it's relevant to our conversation. Um yeah. Like. Yeah, for sure. And I want to start by saying, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk down on anyone who's poly and I don't want to say that, you know, monogamy is the spiritual growth path and poly is not, you know, right. this has been my experience and I have heard of and seen people do a poly or open relationship really well with integrity. Um, I have also seen a culture of um, open relationship or poly that's, um, kind of used as an excuse to escape from deeper emotional work. Um, you know, if, if a man, and 
and it is kind of gendered often in the way I've seen it, but it doesn't have to be. But Mm -hmm. if a man who's more avoidant doesn't want to get into the deep work that comes up in intimate relationships, they can say, oh, I'm poly. And so this is just the way I am that I'm going to be looking elsewhere when things get hard. Mm. So I definitely think that there's people who are doing poly well. I, you know, maybe I personally haven't seen them, honestly, uh, but I hear they're out there. Yeah. I, uh, I have some friends who, who yeah. I think are doing poly in a very, like, healthy mm-hmm. and beautiful way. But I agree. Like, yeah. I, I know so many other guys who are just using poly <laughs> as, as an excuse to kind of avoid, like, having difficult conversations. Like, instead of being like, eh, you know, actually, I don't think this is exactly the type of relationship I'm looking for. They'll just say, oh, uh you know, I, I consider myself more poly. I'm looking for something more open and I kind of want to keep dating. And it, it does seem like an easy way for guys to be noncommittal and to avoid difficult conversations. Um, and when I see poly used in that way, I think uh, I think it's kind of a disservice to people who, who actually uh, like are poly in, I think, a, a more serious or um, foundational way. And, uh, and, you know, I will say I, I have been guilty of that as well. Um, I, you know, looking back and dating, like there have been times, um, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I would almost, yeah. Like if, if a dating situation wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but I didn't quite want to end it, you know, um, I would, I would kind of say, oh, you know, I think I'm kind of looking for something more open right now. I'm kind of, you know, feeling in kind of a poly place and, and it was kind of a way of, yeah, of me just avoiding having the difficult conversation and me um, being noncommittal to even do I want to pursue something with this person or not? Like, I I didn't even have to choose there because I was just, you know, I would just say, oh, no, I'm I'm poly, which, yeah. Just keep all your options open. Yeah, it's keeping all my options open, but it wasn't being honest with myself. It wasn't being honest with the other person. Um and yeah, and I think I think it directly ties into what we're talking about. It was like it was the opposite of kind of the beauty of commitment. It was kind of yeah. the and the muddledness of non-commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little muddled and it's a little confusing. And like I say, I think that people who do poly well do come up with their own uh, spiritual and emotional um, growth and Definitely. truths from that experience. Mm-hmm. And it's probably different from what I'm getting from monogamy. But if we talk about, you know, the cultural encoding of, you know, Bay Area specifically, um, I, that's been my experience is having to peel that away uh, as something that I assumed I was because all my friends were in that environment and then kind of determining what of that is actually how I want to be. And, and actually, if I want to be monogamous and I'm the only one in my friend group who's monogamous like um that takes internal dedication like i have to be in touch with what it is that i want regardless of what the people around me are doing yeah Um, so that was my experience that's cool and i take that back i do know people who are doing poly really well and you know on on the open relationship path as a spiritual growth path and they're really succeeding in their relationships yeah right and and i would even say you know commitment doesn't doesn't uh can be a big part of poly relationships as well definitely Um, but maybe multiple commitments so yeah (laughs) yeah awesome um yeah were there were there any other i I don't know like perspectives or gifts uh, about commitment that kind of come to mind for you yeah um i mean there's this idea of the grass is greener syndrome that i've heard Mm -hmm. thrown around here and there and I, I struggled with this a lot in my first relationship. I was kind of committed in a, in a relationship, but also 
always looking around, kind of seeing, well, maybe I'd be happier with that person or maybe I'd be happier with this person. And it gets to the heart of like, it can be hard to know when it is the right time to commit. And some people commit to the relationship that's not healthy for their spiritual growth. Right. And so I've come up with, or I don't think I've come up with this, but I've heard this idea of um, the grass is greener where you water it. Um, and so through through committing, I've come to this idea of I can be self-determining in where I want my life to grow and flower. And so if I decide to focus all my energy into commitment and into this one relationship, that's where the grass is going to be greener. Like that's where the juicy stuff is going to be mm. versus if I'm in a committed relationship and I have my eyes elsewhere, that's where I'm going to be drawn. Um, so it's hmm. really taught me this idea of, you know, where you, it's a basic meditation idea, basic visualization idea where you focus is where your life is going to grow. Um, and so, um, yeah, a takeaway from that has been, learning how much I can determine my own life and, and learning how I can shape that. If I really want to focus on one area of my life, that's where it's going to grow. And it's been really beautiful. Yeah. Maybe that's a good segue. Connor, I'd love to hear a little more about the the therapy and men's work that you do. do. Like, how did you first get drawn into that? And sort of what type of, of men's work do you lead or support? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Honestly, how I got into it is a group of guy friends got together and someone said, hey, should we start a men's group? And I said, yeah, we should start a men's group. Um, and and we said, okay, how about next Thursday? So that's kind of how it started. And um, yeah, I think it came out of this, this uh, lack of safe men's spaces. Um, and I, I don't know what type of men's work I facilitate. I think it's just... Um, come out of this feeling that, um, you know, historically for me growing up, when men got together to hang out, it was not necessarily a safe space. Mm. Um, mm. A group of guys for me meant like, you're going to get teased, you're going to get made fun of, you better watch what you say. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think for all too many guys, that's the truth, not just in grade school and high school, but throughout their lives. Yeah. And so it came from this lack and, and of having that safe brotherhood space. Um, and you look at like, uh, you look at how women make space together with other women, and I feel like they're light years ahead of us and like how sisterhood works and yeah. how um, you know, mentorship from older women to younger women passing down traditions of, of um, uh, yeah. So I, I think that men are kind of a little lacking in our culture in spaces where uh, we just get together and talk about what it means to be a man. And so, I'd say the men's work that I facilitate is very basic. It's just creating space for that conversation to happen. And, um, you know, as a facilitator, I pretty much take a back seat. I just get the men together in the room and then say, like, let's talk about what's up for us in mm -hmm. masculinity. And it's always a fruitful discussion. Um, and, and I'm curious what you do to make sure, I mean, again, like there's not, there's a shortage of these spaces out there, right? And a lot of people's experience of sort of, male dominated spaces is mm -hmm. is like you said something that's that's less safe um, and less comfortable and less sort of open and so i'm curious what if anything you do specifically to really help build those cultures within that spaces is it about hey just like people that are showing up for this are just showing up in the right headspace is it about framing at the beginning of conversation like are there other strategies and tactics you use to try to make sure that the space has the culture and the vibe that that's different that you want it to have yeah, I mean, I think I have been lucky that a lot of my participants are do have good intentions and are just waiting for this space to show up. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, creating a safe space for conversation is something that we talk a lot about in therapy. Um, uh, as a therapist, I've been through years of training at uh, California Institute of Integral Studies, and uh, we do a lot of work on how to how to make sure a space is safe. And yeah, it has a lot to do with um, owning your own feeling. Um, if something comes up with, uh, if a feeling comes up for you in a group, uh, to own that that's a feeling that's happening in yourself and to not project it out towards other people. Right. So mm-hmm. as a facilitator, if I see someone, you know, projecting anger or frustration, I would point it back towards them and say, you know, what's going on for you that's having, you have this experience. Um, I mean, it sounds cliche, but bring it back to I statements and bring it back to I feel this statements, you know, basic nonviolent communication. Uh, skills have have served me really well in that arena it's amazing how much wisdom there is in the i statement that we were taught and like i feel like you get taught that in like kindergarten and then it's just forgotten about like we just kept the i statement going as a through line through like you know middle high school and adulthood it's it's so important (laughs) really useful cliches man there's a lot of truth in cliches (laughs) many of them have (laughs) tremendous power that go uh unacknowledged yeah awesome um well yeah, I guess uh, before we wrapped up, um, I uh, yeah, I mean you're getting married soon. Congrats! I think that's congratulations. Yes, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I was kind of curious, Gabe, uh, as someone who who's an expert on marriage, you've been married for <laughs> probably twenty months now. Twenty yeah. months. Look at yeah. you. It's like um, hundreds of days. <laughs> yeah, I was curious if you. Uh, I don't know if you if you. Um, if you resonated at all with with anything or the things that Connor was saying about commitment and if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I think the points around how it just pushes you to do a lot of work that you wouldn't get to do otherwise, it's just all, all definitely resonated. I mean, it's mm-hmm. interesting. I feel like you can see the through line of commitment because as commitment increases at each stage, I feel like, I'll, again, I'll speak I statements, like personal experience, my <laughs> personal experience, like that has the the type of work and sort of the depth of work has also increased. Mm-hmm. You know, like initial commitment of a monogamous relationship versus being engaged versus being married. I feel like at each stage, there's like a deepening mm-hmm. of um, of the sort of work that you get to do together as a couple and you have to do together as a couple because it really at, like at once you like increase the commitment of like no no we're really doing this together then yeah it's like it's just i mean i'm just agreeing with what connor said it's it's increasingly harder and harder things that you're like oh we'd really like to avoid this but can't really <laughs> avoid it so we're going in we're going so, deep so here we are and it's just like <laughs> it's so special like there's no other relationship there's very few other relationships that you can do that with right like Mm-hmm. parent relationships sibling relationships like these other people that are that are closest to you in your life like a best friend like there's oh i mean again obviously diff- there's a million different versions of all those relationships but i think again in my experience on average in general like you can always sort of avoid stuff in those relationships if you need to or or you want to because you're not like living with a person and, like building a Sharing life together, a life together. Yeah. but like i guess the thing that's been i mean marriage is in one sense it's you know, it's just like a label, like you wake up the first day you're married. It's like not like, like the whole world or like relationship <laughs> has changed. But but the one thing that's felt like different in a somewhat meaningful way to me is like increasingly you just ha- you have to make every important decision together. And there's just something about having to make every single important decision with another person mm. that's um 
yeah, it's like hard, but awesome in a, in a cool way. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you, Connor. <laughs> yeah, right on. I am too. The, the commitments will just, yeah, will continue to deepen. And I think with that bring continued more beauty and gifts into your life. And that'll be exciting. Yeah, it feels right. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your wedding. Like, where are you getting married? And do you guys have anything oh, yeah. like special or different you're doing for it? Yeah, I mean, I think our wedding is all about doing whatever we want to do and nothing that we don't want to do that other <laughs> people are telling us to. So that's a good place to start. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be in our backyard, and our friends are going to be doing the food, and another friend is going to officiate, and it's going to be very simple. We're going to have like vegan food, even though most of my family eats meat, and <laughs> minimal alcohol, even though most of my family likes to get drunk. So <laughs> it's going to be very, it's going to be an edge for some people, I think, but it's a, a you know a window into into our life and so people can see a little bit what we're up to um yeah. so yeah i think it's going to be great and uh yeah. fun fact but um so the the backyard that they're going to have this wedding at um Gemma connor's fiance uh grew up actually was born in this house yeah grew was, up in this house was and- born in this house grew up in this house and we live in this and she lives in this house now and and that's how i met her was actually moving into this house she mm. was my roommate first uh, so anyone who oh, tells awesome. you not to date your roommate, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It worked out for me. <laughs> Every rule has its exception. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, definitely a, a history of, of growth and family and commitment in this house in general. So it's a nice backdrop for, for this relationship. Yeah, that's beautiful. Awesome. Well, on that beautiful note, uh, we'll end the show. Uh, but before we leave, uh, Connor, where can audiences keep up with you and your work sure yeah um i have a website hconnormoss.com that's h-c-o-n-n-o-r-m-o-s-s um it just has a brief bio and uh, a google voice number for you to reach me if you're interested in coaching um as of right now i don't have any open men's groups but i hope to in the future and when i do those will be up on that website too awesome cool well you can find all episodes of Guys With Feelings at guyswithfeelings.co. Shoot us an email at guyswithfeelingsshow at gmail.com. Music for the podcast is by Broke for Free. And if you're feeling generous or not, leave us a review. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Um, Connor, thanks so much for coming on. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks all for right. being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, maybe we can check in uh, like a year or two from now and, and see how the commitments have deepened. Yeah, see how all <laughs> these Lofty's ideas have uh, played out. Yeah, Awesome. <laughs> all right, well, that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, we hope everyone out there is able to embrace the lows, celebrate the highs, and appreciate the messy journey in between. We'll see you guys next time.